Hi there. This is Winnell, and you are listening to Blended and Flourishing Families podcast. You are in the right place if you are a step parent or connected to a step family and you want to gain insight in how to achieve harmony in your family, which is what the Blended and Blended and Flourishing represents. In here, there will be some real conversation about step parent challenges, challenges that step kids and bio kids encounter, and challenges that bio parents experience as well as the importance and benefits of step parenting with God. If you are new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and I would love for you to leave a rating as well. Now that we've gotten all caught up, let's chat. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, If you have been following us on our podcast, you know that January we talked about self-care. In February, we focused on the marriage health because the relationship is the foundation of the family. If the relationship does not work, the family doesn't work and we have to pour into that. And so in the month of March, we are focusing on the children and we're talking about resources that can truly help them uh, because the children do go through a lot of the things that the parents go through, um, except that they go through on a different level. And because they are children, a lot of them don't even really know how to express how they feel. And so they don't get the right support and help that they need. And to be honest, I am a personal testament to this, that if they don't get the right support and the right help, it could affect them in a way where they carry it on into adulthood. And so we don't want that. We want to be able to help our children. And this is why I'm so excited to be here with Danielle today. Um, She is going to introduce herself and we're going to get started in talking about how we can help our kids in our blended family. Hi, well, thanks for having me. So Danielle Schlegel uh, and I own a group private practice in Boulder County, Colorado. Uh, and I personally have been in the field for about 15 years. I'm a professional counselor, and I focus mostly these days on couple and family work. I do a lot of parenting work in my couple's work, and yeah, I have two books about blending families, and I'm so excited to be here to talk about the, the journal. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm excited, and I didn't even know that you had two books. I only know of one, so we definitely are going to get into that, Um, and so, but first, let's talk a little bit about um, with you, and what are some of the experiences, because I know you say you do work with families, um, but do you have personal experience when it comes to blended family? I do. So I grew up in a blended family, and so my parents divorced when I was six, and I have a long list of step-siblings and half-siblings, um, half-step-siblings. Um, so I grew up in a blended family. I was really lucky. My parents got along great. They still do. They're still friends. Um, they really showed me what healthy blending looks like. And, and without them, it could have gone very differently. Um, and didn't realize that then I would grow up and create my own blended family. So. My husband and I have um, a five-year-old together, and then also he comes with a 12-year-old. She turns 12 this week. So I have been blending our family together for the last eight years. Um, So personally, I I know blended inside and out. Um, And then also professionally, it's been one of the things that I, I feel like I can 
offer some insight into because I know what it's like to be the kid and I know what it's like to be the parent. Uh, and so I work with a lot of blended families as well. That is awesome. And I like the fact that you said from your experience, you um, have a perspective of a stepchild and then also, um, you know, being in the step parent role. And that is so important because I too can relate to that. And when I um, formed my um, blended family, I didn't know that my experience as a stepchild, because it was something that I guess I suppressed and I just didn't really focus on it um, when I became an adult. And I didn't know that my experience as a stepchild and some of the unresolved trauma that I had as a stepchild was influencing how I was as a stepmom. And so um, at a young age, I believe I was like probably two when um, my, I had my first stepmom and that was not a good relationship. And I didn't even know that that was how young I was. And I still remember how she made me feel. Like, I don't remember all of the things that are, that happened in detail, but I remember how she made me feel. And um, then like a year or two later, I had a second stepmom who was the complete opposite. She loved me. She loved my siblings. Um, we were with her a little bit longer um, than my first stepmom, but with her, her interaction with us, if you didn't know how many children she had, you would have thought we were all her children. And so I grew up, I completely blocked that out that, you know, I even had that experience when I was younger. Um, and then I became a stepmom and I started struggling and I was struggling. One of the reasons is because I was overdoing it. And uh, when I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I just can't keep going on like this, something have to give. And I started reflecting. And that was when I realized that the experience that I had with my first stepmom and how she made me feel and made me know that she didn't want me, she didn't like me. Um, and I wasn't you know, included in her family. I didn't want my stepkids to feel that. And because I never processed that, um, I brought that in to my um, adulthood and I overcompensated as a stepmom because I was trying to prevent them from feeling what I felt when I was a stepchild. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I had such a similar experience becoming a stepmom myself. You know, I, I had good experiences with step parents uh, for the most part. I, I didn't think I did when I was young. And then once I became a stepmom, I was like, oh, oh, this is actually pretty hard. <laughs> no wonder my stepmoms were, you know. Uh, but yeah, I went through a couple of different stepmoms and stepdads myself. And um, yeah, it's, it's amazing when you go to bring in your own family, the things that we carry from our youth. And, and I, I did the same thing. I was like, I'm going to be such an amazing stepmom. I'm going to do all the right things. I like was really going overboard and it made our relationship really hard for the first couple of years. And it, it wasn't until I did some of the same stuff that you're talking about where I was like, wow, I need to do that too. I need to be paying attention to what I'm bringing from my experience as a kid. Uh, it's amazing how that keeps just generation after generation, right? Like that's where that, that comes from. So, yeah. yeah, that is so true. And then, um, so 
For you with the families that you have worked with, what are some of the challenges that you have seen that kids who are part of a blended family have and probably from your own experience as well? Yeah. So part of the idea with this journal is, yeah, we looking at the things that teens really struggle with, kids in general, but, you know, teens for the, for the journal specifically. And some of the things I see in my practice and, and that I remember when I was that age too, you know, I think that part of what's going on for kids is their, their world gets turned upside down. And, you know, we, we kind of have this expectation, part of it's cultural and, and what we're told to expect. I think part of it is inherent too, and just humans where we just anticipate that our families will be together. And when that doesn't happen for whatever reason and whatever the stages of that the kids end up going through, it's hard to go through such an upheaval in your life. And it's sometimes it's more common now, but a lot of times, you know, you go to school and you're the only kid whose parents, you know, aren't together or who has four parents instead of two. And so part of this is that what kids are going through is, is really big, but it's also really adult. So this transition is hard for even adults to go through and kids don't have the fully developed brain, their frontal lobes aren't totally online yet. And so they literally lack some of the capacity to reflect and understand and experience emotion and then manage them and communicate them. So I think that's one of the biggest things is that they, they need support in understanding what big feelings are coming in and what to do with them. And that's a big part of the journal is, you know, how do we help kids learn how to feel their feelings. And so that's that's one of the big ones that, that comes up and, and part of this. I think the other thing that comes to mind is um, just that sense of belonging. So I think when, when families split and then new families are created, one of the big things that kids feel this fear is that they won't belong anymore. And that belonging brings up all kinds of fun behaviors for parents to deal with. Uh, but that, that belonging is so important and being able to help kids understand that love doesn't divide, love multiplies and making sure that they find belonging in the family, even though it's not just their family anymore. Now there's new people. And I think some of that is also just acceptance of things change and Family doesn't have to be such a rigid definition. It doesn't have to just be parents and their biological kids, right? There's so many beautiful and different ways that families can show up and think sort of expanding with kids on, you know, finding some flexibility on what family really means. Um, I think those are like the biggest stressors though, is just having all these feelings, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to navigate really new relationships with adults and other kids that they don't necessarily choose. And then just that sense of belonging. I love that. And you, you mentioned um, a lot of things that caught my attention, especially the part about love multiplying. That is so beautiful and that is so true. And I like that you created a journal for teenagers um, because I see that a lot of step parents struggle with their teenagers. 
Um, but also is normal because parents struggle with their teenagers because that's a difficult um, stage in life um, where the teenagers just learning and figuring out who they are. They have friends and peer pressure and all these things going on, chemical going on in their body and it's hard. And then you put the blended family on top of it. And so it's one of the things I want for um, parents and step parents to get out of our discussion today um, is to really, really give our teenagers some grace and um, be empathetic towards them. Um, it may seem that they're acting out and you know they're being disrespectful, but that's a tough time to have all of these things going on. And they don't yet have the mental capability to be able to navigate these things on their own and then they also want to be independent, so they don't want to ask for help. Um, so I love that you have these resources um, on there. Um, and then also, too, is, you know, you mentioned just with all of the different changes and just speaking from a stepmom perspective and from someone who worked with stepmom and have heard some of the challenges that stepmom go through, um, is to be able to try and put yourself in the shoes of your children. Try to see things from their perspective because um, they may be wanting to accept you. Um, they may not just know how because then they're struggling with, does that mean that I'm rejecting mom if I accept you, especially if this is a high conflict situation where they're being told that it's not okay for them to be affectionate towards you or care for you. Um, so, yeah, I just love that you have these resources um, out there. And then also, what is the second book that you have? Yeah, so the second, the it was actually the first book. So the, the journal is a response to the first book, which is Our Modern Blended Family. And it's just a really short, sweet book. For, it's kind of a refresher if you've been in the business a while. Um, it's If you're brand new, it's another just resource. And the goal of it is, you know, it's really similar to the journal in that my my big recommendations, you know, the first and foremost, obviously the marriage has to be healthy, right? And though I think one of the things that sets apart what I talk about is that kids need to be talked to, they need to be respected, and they don't call the shots by any means, right? But I think we just, we, we create these families and we don't always know how to get kids to talk and how to listen well to them and their feelings. And so it's really about, you know, increasing communication, making sure that everybody feels respected and has a sense of belonging. And, you know, I, I really advocate for, you know, a, a balanced emotional place where we try to allow and feel our own feelings and allow the feelings of others and try to stay balanced in that. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about what to do as a stepmom too. So, you know, I have that sort of theory that as stepmoms, we're really supposed to be like the auntie is kind of how I think of it, depending on how, how young you come into the kid's life, but really letting the original parents take charge and respecting that relationship. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like a quick and simple how-to the, the other book is. And then after that, we sort of realized that there's that gap for teens. And so we did the journal for teens and it has a lot of the same things. It talks about loyalty and, and trying to feel out some of the weirdness that that comes with. 
and really focusing on just self-compassion and understanding feelings and learning how to communicate your needs. Mm, that's exciting. I have to get me a copy of that one because I wasn't aware <laughs> that you had that. So I'm definitely going to get me a copy. I'm going to read. Um, and then that's another resources I can share with my clients as well who need support. Um, we in a day and age where blended family is, I think, has become the majority family dynamic is what we see now. Um, very rarely you see the traditional family dynamic. Um, being what the dominant family dynamic is. And we do need all of the support out there. Um, and I do like your idea about depending on what stage um, you come into the child's life, it does and it will influence the type of relationship that you have with that child. Um, so coming into a child's life who is a toddler, um, who is going to grow with you and get to know you is very different than a teenager or someone who is already an adult. Um, so for me, my experience as an adult stepchild, um, again, some things that I just, I guess I just decided to <laughs> black out that <laughs> I'm a stepchild. Um, but when my uh, mom remarried, I was already an adult when she remarried and I never saw him as a father figure. I never, you know, like, it's just, I just saw him as my mom husband. Um, he was nice. He was kind. I liked him. And, um, you know, he was decent. Uh, one, I wasn't close to him, but because we lived across country, he was in Minnesota. I was in New Jersey and um, partly in Arizona as well. So, but I never had that close relationship with him and I never saw him as a father figure. So like when I talk about fathers, you know, figure like, my mind does not usually run to him. It would just be my biological father. Whereas with my experience, me being younger, um, when I think about my experience as a mother, I still see my stepmom who was a mother figure to me, who up to this day, um, I mean, one of her sons passed, one of her, her son passed away, but her daughter is still alive. And I still refer to her as my sister. And she still referred to me as my sister. And I haven't seen her in Lord, maybe it's been about 20 years or so because we, my family and I fled our country. I'm from Liberia and there was a war and we fled from there. And so since we left Liberia, I haven't been back. And I was a child when we left Liberia, but we are coming, um, we stayed in communication through social media and I still see her as a sister. So I do love that about just being aware of what stage are you entering into the child's life. It, every family kind of, kind of unfolds differently. And, and one of the things that I know I learned the lesson, the hard way is when I came in, my, my spouse thought that I was just going to be the mom. And so I came in and I acted like the mom, the way that my family moms, but the way that my family moms was so different from the way his family moms, that it was just a disaster. And it was so hard because I was trying to mom and it wasn't quite right. And, and I realized that the mistake that I had made was I hadn't created I hadn't like get, like earned or gained the respect of this little kid before I tried to parent her. And so that's something that I, that I talk about. And that's kind of what I talk about when I mean, like when I say like being an auntie is it's like, I care about you. I'm gonna make sure that you don't do anything too horrible but ultimately you are the, under the responsibility of your parent until I've earned enough respect to step in more. 
And then for me, that's a slow process of regardless of the age. I mean, some kids come in and they're like, you're my new mom and they're just all over it. Most of the time, that's not the case. And so really like being able to feel out the comfort level of your own experience and your spouse's experience and the kid's experience and communication, I think is the most important piece there of just being able to talk. Three-year-olds can talk about their feelings. We just have to teach them how. So I think that's that's something that I really um, advocate for it. And I, it's part of what I you know communicate through this journal for teens is what I want parents to be communicating, which is that your feelings matter and you're not responsible for the way this family blends. You are responsible for your own behavior and you're responsible for your own feelings and communicating your needs in a respectful and kind way, so. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I don't know if it's like a meant thing and it just have a different perspective on things than women, but I had that experience too, where my husband was like, oh, you're the new mom. Um, and I was like, oh, it doesn't really work like that, but <laughs> so we have to figure this out. Um, so yeah, I love that idea as well. And what other advice, maybe two other, because you mentioned one just now when you spoke and you said that definitely to let the kid know that their feelings is valuable. Um, they are not responsible for how the family blends, um, but they're responsible for their actions, which I feel is super important, definitely being able to validate their feelings, even if we don't, even if it's offensive to us and we feel like we being attacked. Um, it's something I like to say that we cannot and we shouldn't try to control how somebody else feels, even if their feelings is um, not a doubt, it doesn't reflect what it is that we did. And um, it's completely the opposite of what it is that we did, but to be able to acknowledge it and then help them to be able to actually change the narrative and understanding of why is it they're feeling the way they're feeling. So I love that you mentioned that, but what are two other tips would you be able to give to a parent or a step-parent to be able to support the teenager within the blended family. Yeah, could I give an example of the validating kids' feelings even when we might not agree or like them? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I, when my daughter, my stepdaughter was six, she went through a phase of almost every day saying, why can't mama live with us, right? Live with me and my husband. And you know, my husband's initial response would be like, she wouldn't want to, we, we shouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, like he didn't really know what to say. Like, obviously your mom isn't going to come live in our home with us, but that's where the empathy piece is so important. And just being able to go, it's really confusing for you that you have to go between homes and no matter where you are, you miss someone. Of course you want your whole family to live in one home, you know, and, and that's not going to happen, but it's okay to talk about it, to talk about that one and to feel sad that you don't get all of your parents all the time. You know, and, and, but it's those moments where you're like, as the step parent, you're like, over my dead body <laughs> is your mom going to come live with us. <laughs> you know, even if you like the mom, it's like this, that's no, <laughs> um, but you know, for a kid or a teen, even, you know, it, just being able to like acknowledge that the like want and the emotion under that is important, you know, even if that's never going to happen. Uh, the other things I would say, you had mentioned something earlier that I wanted to, to offer as, as a parenting piece, which is this idea that um, 
sometimes parents will talk about kids' behavior as attention-seeking, where they are acting out, they're just trying to get your attention, and they are, you know, you know, back-talking or ignoring, you know, the parent or the step-parent or, you know, the little things that kids do, and, and parents often will think about that as like, oh, just attention-seeking, and that's something that I really, I focus on with parents, that that is a good thing that really what they're doing is they're not attention seeking, they're connection seeking. And that is a natural and important part of human. And so whenever we have that thought of like, oh, they're just trying to get attention right now. I think one of the things I like to do is say, okay, pause, that's good. How can we give them the connection that they're seeking and, and make sure that the, that the needs there are dealt with and the feelings are talked about so that they're not acting out to get connection, but they're getting connection as they need it. Does that make sense? It does. It, it really does make sense. Um, because something for me that's, it's a trigger for me. And like I had to learn my triggers like when I stepped in this role, uh, because, you know, all of our values, you know, how we grew up is different and how the kids were being raised before we step in might be a little bit different. And you just mentioned um, about, you know, like talking back and all of those things. And for me, the way I grew up, um, self-expression was kind of suppressed in my culture when it comes to children. Um, you know, you don't, talk back, the adults say you do type stuff. And so although based on my training, my education has helped me to learn, um, you know, the importance of allowing kids to be able to express themselves, um, I still get triggered and I still struggle with that when my um, kids talk back, especially our second um, oldest son, he is known for that. And so that's something that I had to identify and to start and work on um, and be cautious and to know, like, is it something that, you know, he's doing, like what you said, for example, connection or no, or is it, you know, him just being defensive where he's, you know, just rejecting whatever it is that we're saying at the time and he doesn't want to accept it. So he's going to kind of fire back, you know, what it is. So I had to become self-aware in that area, in that moment and evaluate to be able to effectively move forward and not just shut him down because I felt like he was being disrespectful. Um, so I love that you brought that up. Yeah, that is, that's a hard, <laughs> that's a hard skill to get good at. You know, we definitely are more patient with our own kids than we are with our spouse's kids. Um, and they're all our kids, but, you know, there is, you know, it's, there's just a natural thing that happens where when our kids do something, like if we bring children into the world, like my five-year-old girl, if she does something that her sister used to do, it used to drive me crazy when her sister did it. And it doesn't drive me crazy when she does it. And, and I can see that difference, like, wow, okay, like this is, there is something like naturally bio, you know, like a biological response here that is different. And I think it's important to pay attention to like how we get triggered with our own, with our, if we have biological or adoptive kids versus stepkids, it, we get triggered in different, in different ways and being able to feel that in our body and then make sure that we are not acting it out. It's okay to feel triggered and it's okay to have those moments. And we want to make sure that we're not, you know, acting it out if we can help ourselves, but it can be really hard to, to get good at that skill. I agree because I'm still 
working on it. Um, but I like to tell the moms that I, the stepmoms that I work with is um, one of the biggest thing is being aware, because if you're not aware of something, you can't really address it. So once you're aware, then you can start working on it. Um, and so where can people find the book and the workbook? Yeah, so they're both on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and um, they're the the um, the Our Modern Blended Family has an audiobook too on Audible, and so yeah, they're they're out there, um, and I'm happy to offer some free copies to your listeners for the the journal. If we could do that, I would love to. Yes, we can. So while we were talking, you mentioned something that. Um, I liked, and I wrote it down as a question. Um, so if you guys are listening, I will be sharing this on social media. Um, but if you listen to this podcast before I share on social media, um, there's no, there's a question. Um, and the question here is, oh, let me find it. What feeling do they, meaning kids, have to learn to express? If you can answer that question, um, we have five copies, thanks to Danielle. And so the first five people who will either you can email me at um, baflourishing at gmail.com or um, send me a DM on Instagram at blended and flourishing, um, then you are going to win a copy and you can help gift that to your teenager. If you don't have a teenager and you win, gift that to somebody who has a teenager and that can help their teenager through the blended family journey. So Danielle, thank you so much for this gift. I'm so excited for it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then, so when it comes to your counseling services, um, how you know can families find you if they're in your area? Or also, do you serve since you know, virtual is a thing now. Do you serve outside of your area and how can they um, reach out for services? Yeah, so I, so we're, right now we can only serve the state of Colorado. So if anybody's in Colorado, they're welcome to reach out. It's, my practice is called Seity. Um, that just means to see oneself. So it's seity.org. Uh, and I have, I have both myself and I have a couple clinicians who work with me in my practice. And yeah, we all kind of work together to support families. So. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This was an exciting conversation. Um, and thank you so much for gifting my audience um, this because the journal is really good, guys. I have a copy. Now I have to, and this copy was gifted to me, but I have to buy um, the book that she has and be able to add it as an extra resource to my collection. Um, I hope you have a good rest of your day and it's awesome having you here. Thank you.